Jesus the good teacher, Jesus the therapist, Jesus the giver of bling. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for June is Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? Twelve False Christs. It's written by regular guest Dr. Matt Richard. Read an excerpt at issuesetc.org or purchase Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? by calling Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month, Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? Bible tells us that to minister to the needs of God's creation is an act of worship. To ignore those needs is to dishonor the God who made us. And that is just what we're doing by walking away from this accord. The American left liked Russia a whole lot more when it was Marxist and communist than the American left likes Russia now. The fundamental problem for every society is the unattached male. The fact of the virginal conception, the fact that she is the Theotokos, the mother of God and so forth. We, we rejoice in those things because they tell us something special, not about Mary, but instead they tell us something special about Jesus, about who he is. Missouri dairy farmers love issues, etc. It's not hard to tell when an imposter is at work, when someone who is trying to pass themselves off as a famous person, the famous Elvis impersonators, they do a good job. They might sound a little like him, but they don't look enough like him. Or maybe they look enough like him, but they don't sound enough like him. And imposters of those kinds are easy to spot. So why is it that we have such a hard time spotting imposters when it comes to those who pose as Jesus Christ, the false Christ that are largely of our own imagination, but in some ways perpetuated even, sadly, by Christians themselves. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. Coming to you live from the 5th Annual Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Collinsville, Illinois. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. As we kick off the first hour that kicks off our conference, we're going to be talking about false Christs in the 21st century with Dr. Matt Richard, author of the Issues Etc. Book of the Month, Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? Twelve False Christs. In hour two of the program, Pastor Jonathan Fisk joins us. We're going to be talking about raising Christian children in an age of progressivism. Now, you can join us with questions or comments over the course of the next two hours. We can take your questions about via email, talkback at issuesetc.org. That's talkback at issuesetc.org. Or you can send us a tweet at issuesetc. And for our audience here in the conference, we have an audience mic here. When the time comes for questions, we'll be happy to take your questions via that microphone as well. Joining us to talk about false Christs in the 21st century, Dr. Matt Richard, pastor of Zion Lutheran Church in Gwinner, North Dakota, and author of The Issues Etc., Book of the Month, Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up, 12 False Christs. Matt, welcome back to Issues Etc. Thanks, Todd. It's good to be here. Matt, what is the most popular false Christ in America today and why? That's a really good question. You know, trying to narrow it down to which exactly, which false Christ. It's difficult because when it comes to false Christ, we construct false Christ in the image of ourself. And so depending on the person you talk to in America, depending on their nuance, depending on their own hobby horse, their endeavors, that false Christ is going to take on a an image of themselves. But if looking, you know, from the book that uh, 
uh, wrote for Concordia Publishing House. Out of those 12 that I've identified, boy, it's going to have to be a toss-up between maybe The Giver of Bling. Uh, that false Christ is very, 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 very prominent in our American culture. Uh, con- you know, really connected to a prosperity gospel. Uh, but boy, man, in a, in a close second or third, we see the social justice warrior Jesus is really on the rise in the most recent uh, two to three years here. So I think they really fluctuate, but it really depends on the ethos of the American culture, depending on what really is our endeavors, what our, uh, what we seek to suit our own fancy is really what uh, creates these false Christs, which ultimately serve ourselves. And uh, I think before we begin and kind of tease apart the various false Christs that you write about, it's not always just one of these false Christs. Sometimes it's a mix of false Christ, the, the, you said the giver of bling, you might meet him one day in Joel Osteen's church, but you also might meet Jesus, the moral example, or one of the other false Christs mixed in there too. Talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the thing is what we're dealing with is idolatry. And at the heart of idolatry is this idea that uh, we, 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 we think thoughts about the Lord Jesus Christ that are not worthy of who he is. And as a result of that, the thoughts we usually think are thoughts of constructing him in order to uh, uphold our own, uh, like I said, our own endeavors, our own uh, hopes, our own dreams. And so depending on what is at play uh, in the spirituality of the church that you go into or the Christian that you talk to, it's going to really fluctuate. And so, again, you can look at maybe one week it's going to be the uh, giver bling if you're really after that new new speedboat and that new house. Uh, down the road, you know, maybe if you are having a, a struggle in your marriage, you're going to want the therapist false Christ. And then, you know, if you're wanting to go after what we would say your hedonistic your own self-centered, uh, serving-your-gut-type uh, mentality where you're chasing after your own sins. Uh, you want the mascot to cheer you on and not obstruct you. So, yeah, you're definitely going to uh, fluctuate between all of these 12 false Christs. And by no means is this list in this book uh, comprehensive. There, We could go on and on and on and construct different false Christs just for the sake of, uh, uh, because of our idolatry. It's just so sneaky. One of the things we're going to be talking about is where we find this false Christ, like, where do you look and, and see this this particular counterfeit Christ? But we should point out that many of these, sadly, are found in the pale of the visible church, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it would be easy for us to just simply say, you know, these are, are pagan constructions. We can point at, you know, the the pagan down the street and say they, they construct it. Uh, but the reality is they, they're found in our own backyard. And the reality is... Um, we as Christians were guilty of this because of our sinful old nature. Uh, we like to construct a false Christ. We like to feel comfortable. We don't want to have the Lord Jesus Christ interrogating us. And so we want him on our team. And so uh, as I hit in the book here, in the opening chapter, uh, really there's only two options. Either we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior or we reject him. And uh, what happens is our old Adam, our sinful nature, doesn't want to reject Jesus uh, because there's just so much sentimental uh, uh, appreciation for Jesus really in our church and, and across our land. Most people have a general acceptance of him. So if we can't reject him, if it's not comfortable with us, then we refashion him. We, we, we come at him like a, like a block of wood and we have our chisel and our hammer. We, we chisel away at him and we construct him, uh, construct him the way that we want him to be. So we either take away from him or we add a different expansion packs to him and then we fashion him in a way that's comfortable. And so it's, it's very easy to do, and we do it subconsciously, unfortunately. It's commonly said that uh, when men or women are training for the Secret Service, not so much for the protection of the U.S. president, but for the guarding of U.S. currency, uh, they're trained to spot the counterfeit by studying in, 
excruciating detail, the real thing. How important is that for the Christian in spotting a false Christ to intimately know from Holy Scripture the the warp and the woof and the parameters of the one that's been revealed there? Yeah, that's, that's, a good, that's a very good point to think of it that way. You know, if you think about it, we know Christ from his word, and we also know him uh, from the creeds. We think of the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed. And I think, unfortunately, uh, with our day and age, our culture, there has been a, a, maybe a gap, you would say, where we have kind of gotten away from the creeds, and certainly in American evangelicalism, where we don't know the creeds as we once uh, maybe or never have uh, really held the creeds. And as a result of that, when we don't know the creeds and we don't know uh, to articulate Christ and we're not studying the Scripture comprehensively, uh, it is indeed very, very much uh, easy to, to fall into one of these false Christs. The first one that you mentioned is the mascot, which is might not be the most likely place to stop uh, to start. Um, so, what is the mascot Jesus, and where would we find him? Well, the mascot uh, kind of intentionally put that false Christ at the very beginning because it kind of sets the stage for the rest of the false Christ. And the mascot is essentially like what I said before: we take the Jesus according to the Bible and the creeds. And then what happens to create a false Christ is an individual subtracts and pulls away from the false Christ and then adds things to this false, to this, to the real Jesus. And as a result, you create something else, almost like a math formula. So you take Jesus minus this plus this equals a false Christ. And this one, uh, the mascot is, is essentially taking Jesus and you strip Jesus of the law. So you strip him of any aspects of the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, and then you strip this Jesus of the doctrine of hell. So no talk about hell whatsoever, no talk about God's law. And then we add something called hedonism. Now, hedonism is this uh, ideology, which is the pursuit of pleasure. And so that which gives me happiness and joy and pleasure must be good. And that which hurts me or causes me pain must be bad. And so we can see how this works together. This mascot Christ doesn't like the law because the law convicts of sin and the law uh, puts a demand upon me of God's holy will. And we don't like that. And then the doctrine of hell, well, that's kind of scary. So we, we strip that away and then we add this idea if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. We think of Cheryl uh, uh, Crow, I believe, that sang that song in the 1980s and 90s of, you know, if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. And as a result, you have the mascot. And this mascot Christ is all about your happiness. Uh, cheering you on in your endeavors, um, you know, has pom-poms, never condemns you, never speaks the law to you, never speaks of hell whatsoever, but is always smiling and cheering you on like a mascot at, at a sporting game. So this is the kind of Jesus that you hear about when people will say something like, Jesus never condemned anybody. Right, absolutely. I mean, you think about, you know, I, I live up in North Dakota, and we have the NDSU Bison, and uh, my kids love to go to that, and the uh, mascot is Thundar, and he's a big bison. And Thundar, I've never, ever seen Thundar criticize the bison. He's always cheering. I mean, they could be down 100 to nothing, and he's still cheering them on. And this false Christ does the same thing. No matter how stupid a person can be in their own sin, he's going to continue to cheer you on because he wants you to be happy. He'll never make you feel bad whatsoever. So this false Christ is is against God's law, against the doctrine of hell, and it's all about the pursuit of pleasure. I guess what I'm wondering on, with regard to this, this particular mascot, Christ, what, how does the cross fit in? Why is the mascot, Christ, hanging on the cross? Well, this, this mascot, Christ, well, really, there, there's no cross. I mean, a lot of these false Christs, uh, if you can look at all 12 of these, uh, for the majority of them, 
I'm trying to look here at the list of the 12. I, I believe the majority of them, they, 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 they skirt around the cross. I mean, this mascot Christ doesn't want the cross. There's no need for the cross. There's no such thing as sin. There's no such thing as sin. There's no such thing as hell. There's no such thing as uh, anything that would cause us discomfort. So if there's no sin, there's no need for the cross. And so these false Christs, again, they mimic the real Jesus. They take on his name and certain attributes, but then what's stripped away is uh, things such as the law and the doctrine of hell. When you have no law, you have no doctrine of sin, then there's no need for a savior. Dr. Matt Richard is our guest. We're broadcasting live from the Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Collinsville, Illinois. We're talking about false Christs in the 21st century. He's author of the Issues Etc. Book of the Month called Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? False, 12 False Christ. You can contact us with your questions or comments. Talk back at issuesetc.org or send us a tweet at issuesetc. Stuck in traffic? Waiting in line at the grocery store? Do better than scrolling through pictures of your aunt's chai latte and your friend's distraught statuses regarding the football game on Facebook. Download the digital version of The Lutheran Witness and get your theological fix instead. Not a subscriber? Visit cph.org slash try Lutheran Witness for a special offer of $6.99 for six issues. The Lutheran Witness, interpreting the contemporary world from a Lutheran perspective. The Consortium for Classical Lutheran Education invites you to attend our Reformation Summer Conference July 11 through 13, 2017 in Cheyenne, Wyoming, focused on truth and education. Speakers include the Reverend Rolf Preuss, Dr. Angus Manuge, and Dr. Thomas Korchak. Enjoy this year's unique banquet experience at a Wyoming bison ranch. Visit ccle.org for more speakers and information at ccle.org. Christ-centered, cross-focused, you're listening to Issues Etc. It was the day after Christmas in 1538 when family and friends who were gathered around Luther's table heard him say, There is no finer gift that a parent can give to a child than an education in the liberal arts. For over 100 years, St. Paul's Lutheran School in Brookfield, Illinois, has been emphasizing the six chief parts and the seven liberal arts, providing classical education in the Lutheran tradition. Visit our website at spbrookfield.org or call 708-485-0650. Have you put off your decision to attend the Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference to the very last minute? That's okay. You can still register for $80, but the registration fee won't include the meal plan. Register today at issuesetc.org or call 618-223-8385, 618-223-8385. The 5th Annual Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference, Friday, June 9th and Saturday, June 10th in Collinsville, Illinois. Looking for a savior in these dirty streets. Looking for a savior. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. 
On this Friday, June the 9th, we're broadcasting live from the Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Collinsville, Illinois, talking about the false Christ of the 21st century with Dr. Matt Richard. Matt, the other one, another one that you mentioned is the kind of one option among many Christ. What, what is this one about? Yes, this option among many is another false Christ, and, and very much similar to the other false Christ, the mascot. This one is all about uh, getting rid of exclusiveness. So anything exclusive, such as the claims of Jesus from uh, John chapter 4, when we, say, when we hear Jesus say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, uh, he changes this false Christ, gets rid of that the, the definite article, T-H, E, the, and changes it from the to a. So I am a way, a truth, and a life. And so this false Christ is all about getting rid of anything that's exclusive in the Christian faith, uh, because again, that would uh, exclude um, others, uh, other uh, uh, different messiahs, figures out there. And then what this false Christ does then after that is after getting rid of exclusiveness, this false Christ adds cultural tolerance and religious pluralism. So in other words, Jesus is not uh, just, you know, the way, the truth, and the life, but is a way and is among many options. And so this false Christ then is also uh, very much like the mascot. Uh, he doesn't threaten. He doesn't come across as, uh, you know, uh, standing as Lord over top of the person, but is just one of those options among many that you can pull, pull along as you go on this journey of life. So this is the this is the Jesus that fits beautifully with all of the other um, holy men, wise men, uh, ascended masters, prophets, um, anyone else, any other religious figure, he takes his place among them as just one of the club. Absolutely. And, and the thing and to keep in mind, too, there's something called binary opposition. And just to unpack that briefly, binary opposition is this teaching where when I say heaven, you would say hell. Uh, if I say light, you say dark. Um, if I say up, you say down. So those are binary opposites. So you're putting two things side by side and there's an opposite. So this false Christ does not like binary opposition. So uh, this false Christ wants to get rid of hell and heaven, the distinction. Uh, this false Christ wants to get get rid of the distinction of sin, sin and righteousness. Uh, so we really blend and blur everything into a mushy middle where there's really no such thing as uh, binary opposition of, of heaven or hell, uh, right and wrong. And then to coat that and to cover that uh, big mush, uh, this false Christ uh, promotes cultural tolerance, which is really the the opposite of what love is, biblical love. It's more of a pagan view of, of love, a pagan view of tolerance. The good teacher Christ. Now, there's no doubt about it that the true Christ was not just a good teacher. He was the best teacher. But what's false about the good teacher Christ? Yeah, when we see the good teacher, um, this one also comes like the other ones, um, and we we have to subtract from this this uh, uh, this this false Christ. You take Jesus and you subtract his divine nature, and so this one is subtracted. Uh, anything such as the resurrection, uh, walking on water, uh, taking somebody who is blind and giving them sight, uh, the forgiveness of sins, anything of the miraculous perspective, uh, this false Christ uh, is is not about that. So a person in their own mind the going the way of idolatry will take Jesus and in their mind they 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 deconstruct him they they remove anything of the divine nature from Jesus and what they're actually doing is they're applying something what we call a ministerial uh, excuse me a magisterial use of reason like a magistrate like a judge they stand over the bible they stand over Jesus and they say anything that's too um 
you know, such as the divine nature, anything that's too spectacular, anything that is is of that nature, we get rid of, and then we use our reason and we reinterpret the Bible and uh, we we pull out just a good teacher. And again, you know, the reason why we do that is we don't want to reject Jesus. Uh, a person that goes this route, they don't want to reject Jesus. They want to embrace him for his good teaching, but that which is uh, too mir- miraculous of his divine nature, we basically strain out. This was one that was kind of uh, in currency even during the, the the ministry of Jesus Christ. I recall one time when he is referred to by someone who approaches him as good teacher, and his response is, why do you call me good? There's no one good but God. What is Jesus asserting about, while he may well be teacher, there's something more to him? Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, Jesus is a good teacher, no doubt about it. We, 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 we want to make sure when we talk about these false Christs, uh, what makes them so slick is that they take Jesus and they, they adjust it. When you think about, you know, Paul says it's a little leaven lump, leavens the whole lump. Um, and all it takes is just a little bit, 1% to just move us off course. And so, you know, in a sense, you know, is Jesus a good teacher? Absolutely, he's a good teacher. It's wonderful teachings that uh, we have from Christ. But there has to be something more to that because if a good teacher cannot forgive us of sins. Uh, a good teacher cannot uh, atone for our sins. A good teacher cannot resurrect us from the dead. Uh, a good teacher cannot conquer sin and hell and the devil and so forth. Uh, and so if Jesus is just a good teacher, then we're, we're, da- we're left damned in our sin, uh, for goodness sakes. And so uh, we look at this false Christ. This one is, is tame. Uh, this one is, uh, you can put in a box. Uh, it doesn't, you know, this false Christ doesn't interrogate you. And I think that's really when we look at all these false Christs, they're managed. They're kept underneath our thumb so that we can uh, have them in our back pocket and use them for our own advantage. One of the things that strikes me and probably is true of some of these other false Christs is that if you take the good teacher Christ and you put him on the cross, you still want to stick with at least the bare bones of the biblical narrative. He's got to be there to teach you a lesson. Not to save you necessarily, but to maybe to teach you something about what? Self-sacrifice or... He's teaching you a lesson from the cross. What's dangerous about that? Well, then we can, in essence, we can separate the teaching from Jesus himself. You know, we, we, we need... We, we need, as Christians, we need his gifts, but we also need Jesus. And we receive Jesus in, in the sacrament. We receive him, you know, upon our tongue and into our belly. We receive him in the word. Uh, and so we need Jesus and his gifts. And so what can happen is this route is we can take his teachings and then separate that from him. And then once we have his teachings, then they're contained in our Bible. And then we can take a magistrate use of reason, like a magistrate, and we can look over top of it and say, you know, I like that part. I don't like that part. And we can strain out and manage it according to our own. It happens all the time. I mean, every time a politician quotes Jesus, he is, it's, it's, a, I mean, it's not even cherry picking. It's going into a bushel of cherries and just pulling one out that is the kind of the old canard. And here you go, I'm going to quote Jesus because he was such a good teacher. The rest of it may or may not be relevant at all. The rest of it might even be entirely rejected. Absolutely. You know, one of the things in, in each chapter of each book, um, I've introduced the, the reader to a different person. And so in this chapter, we actually meet a guy named Mr. Darby. And the, that's really the, the narrative of each chapter. It, it, it opens up and, 
we meet these individuals, uh, such as Mr. Darby, who is a teacher at a college, and we meet uh, this false Christ through this narrative and this story. And so again, we see Mr. Darby, and what's unique about Mr. Darby is that uh, he wants to embrace Jesus because of his uh, very sentimental upbringing with his grandma going to Sunday school. So he doesn't feel like he's totally at liberty to just write him off completely. But yet at the same time, because of his secular, atheistic uh, tendencies, he cannot just totally embrace the Jesus of the Bible. So then, again, he, he filters it off. And, and it's just so easy to do, and yet it's so amazing. We hear it each and every day. You turn on the TV and somebody's talking about you know, Jesus, their Lord and Savior. But we have to pause and say, okay, what do you mean by Jesus? Who do you say that I am? Which is really what Jesus poses in uh, Matthew chapter 16. Who do people say that I am? And that's the question we have to ask this day. Who do we say Jesus is? We can all confess, hey, Jesus is great. He is the only one, uh, so forth. But we need to ask, well, which Jesus are we talking about? The one of your own imagination, the one of your idolatry, or the Christ of the word? Who is the therapist, Jesus? Yeah, the therapist is, boy, this one's kind of tricky, to be honest. Uh, This one is all about taking us to a two-tiered system. And in that chapter, we we, we learn about something called Keswick theology. And and, uh, Keswick theology is all about taking us from a lower tier of averageness to a greater tier, which is a second level. And so what happens then is this, and this is where it becomes so tricky, is the therapist false Christ is needed because this therapist false Christ is all about uh, getting us as a means to another end. And so very, very easy to think about this. This false Christ is all about getting you to joy. So it would sound like this. You know, I need Jesus because I need Jesus so I can have joy. I need Jesus so I can have um, happiness. I need Jesus so I can have peace. Now, right there, Jesus becomes like a base that we round to get to a different end, to home plate. But the reality is Jesus is the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. And so Jesus is not a means to joy. Jesus is my joy. Jesus is not a means to peace. Jesus is our peace. And so the therapist then just becomes... Um, that false Christ that is used to get you to some second second tier. And then once you get to that second tier, like a therapist, you know, once you go to a therapist, you get your help that you needed. Well, you don't need a therapist anymore. You've arrived. And that's what happens with this false Christ. Dr. Matt Richard is our guest on this Friday, June the 9th, broadcasting live from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Collinsville, Illinois, and the Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference. We are talking about false Christs in the 21st century. Dr. Matt Richard is pastor of Zion Lutheran Church in Gwinner, North Dakota, and he's author of the Issues Etc. Book of the Month, Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? Twelve False Christs. When we come back, we're going to talk about one that he mentioned from the very beginning, the Christ that is the giver of bling. If you want cars, if you want mansions, if you want the money, and some people seem to works for them, he's the Jesus for you. We'll be right back. People are talking about the Lutheran Federal Credit Union. Lutheran FCU was created solely to serve LCMS workers, families, and entities, and proceeds benefit LCMS organizations. Lutheran FCU offers deposit accounts and loans and has service access at thousands of branches and ATMs nationwide. Lutheran FCU also offers members Christian-based lending advice for new loans and refinancing, minimal account fees, and superior personalized service. Check them out at lutheranfcu.org. 
I bet you didn't know that the teaching of Latin in schools is making a comeback. Latin? Really? Isn't that a dead language? Well, take a look at what studies say about how well Latin students do on a test like the SAT. Memoria Press's Latin program will revolutionize your students' vocabulary, knowledge, and their understanding of grammar. And there is no better subject for teaching critical thinking skills. Visit memoriapress.com and save $5 on your next order by using the coupon code LPR. LCMS Rural and Small Town Mission exists to support and encourage congregations in rural and small town settings. In partnership with LCMS districts, RSTM is uniquely positioned to make a major impact in revitalization support, community engagement and outreach training, congregational partnership development, and worker support through providing and developing resources geared specifically to rural and small town congregations. Check us out at lcms.org front slash RSTM or give us a call at our office. We're here to help. Children are a heritage from the Lord, but what of those who have not been given the gift of a child? The cross of barrenness affects not only childless couples, it affects the family, friends, and pastors who love and care for them. I'm Katie Shurman, and I'm partnering with Emmanuel Press to publish the second edition of my book, He Remembers the Barren, a story about the hope and contentment found only in Christ, no matter the cross we bear. Visit emmanuelpress.us to learn more. E-M-M-A-N-U-E-L press dot U-S. It's not about you. It's about Jesus for you. You're listening to Issues Etc. Many Lutheran pastors outside of the U.S. receive little or no seminary education. Luther Academy provides theological triage through conferences, books, and journals. Help support Luther Academy by making a tax-deductible donation at lutheracademy.com or call 260-452-2211. Serving Lutheran pastors to the ends of the earth. Luther Academy, 260-452-2211 or lutheracademy.com. At Concordia University, Irvine, you can pursue advanced theological study for academic, professional, or personal development. Concordia's Master of Arts in Theology program is grounded in the truth of Scripture and insights from the Lutheran Confessions. Courses are taught online and at intensive on-campus sessions in the summer. Apologetics, Christian education leadership, and Reformation studies are just a few of the emphases offered. For more information, visit cui.edu slash theology. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're talking about false Christ in the 21st century. Dr. Matt Richard, author of the book, Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up, is our guest. And we're broadcasting live from the Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Collinsville, Illinois. In hour two of the program, Pastor Jonathan Fisk joins us of Worldview Everlasting TV. We're going to talk about raising Christian children in an age of progressivism. Let's talk about the one you mentioned at the very beginning, and that's the the giver of bling, Jesus. Uh, I imagine he's probably the one in its crassest form who's on television most, promising you health, wealth, and prosperity. 
Yeah, evenings especially. When you turn on the TV networks, you can find this one everywhere. And, oh man, I mean, this one's just so incredibly tragic. Wow, this false Christ manipulates uh, Christians. And so this false Christ really takes uh, things such as suffering and uh, death itself and really doesn't talk about suffering. This false Christ cannot stand the idea of suffering. And then this false Christ takes faith, which is that instrument that receives God's gift, to faith being a gift itself that that clings to, receives, and uh, possesses and holds everything that God has for us, his good gifts, and takes faith and, and flips it upside down and makes it into something, uh, some sort of internal go-go juice, some sort of um, uh, conjuring up of our own enthusiastic will, um, some of our, our willpower to, to reach out to the gates of heaven. And, and I could simply say it this way, that, that faith then storms the gates of heaven and demanding that the Lord Jesus Christ release all these great blessings upon our life. And then uh, if we do, then we can just rejoice that we've had enough faith. But if we don't, well, then uh, it comes back to us saying you have to have more faith. And uh, this one is just, uh, it can work to a certain extent, you know, if you got things going in your life. But when tragedy hits, such as I expose here in this book of a, of a young girl named Olivia who actually dies from brain cancer, well, then the only result is either to admit that this false Christ is frankly garbage or to simply uh, point to the person and saying, guess what, family, friends, neighbors, church, you didn't have enough faith. Otherwise, Olivia would have made it. Uh, I wonder if it's any coincidence that those who are the, the most popular purveyors of the giver of bling Christ are pretty blinged out themselves. I mean, is it a coincidence that Joel Osteen lives in a 27-room, probably bigger than that, 27-room house that, that he is fabulously wealthy and that um, he is living the very life he promises through this false Christ to everyone else? Yeah, I think I think it's very difficult to to think of you know taking that prosperity giver a bling uh, false Christ. I mean just I mean just think of this somebody that, you know whether it's Joel Osteen or somebody else. If you talk to them and say you know take that ideology, take that false Christ into the hospital for goodness sakes, take it into the the section of the hospital where people are dying of cancer, stage four cancer, and see how that bling that giver bling uh, fares out. I mean it's it, it, maybe you can tell I, I get really really frustrated with this because uh, not 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 in not in anger. I want to just totally destroy the person, but what it does to Christians, it's just so tragic what it does. Um, this this false Christ, uh, indeed, is, is just absolute garbage. You know, I, I had a friend once, there was a uh, uh, giver bling uh, big uh, tent that was set up across uh, uh, a church in Montana that I was at, and so they had this prosperity message, and they had set up a big tent, and the speaker was coming in to preach and proclaim, and my friend who, he said, I'm going to go over there, pastor, and I said, well, okay, let me know how it goes. He comes back. I said, well, how'd it go? He goes, well, I asked the, the main uh, preacher. I said, you know, if you believe that this this Savior that you're talking about gives you uh, prosperity and health and wealth and happiness. And he goes, well, yeah. He goes, well, I asked him, why are you wearing glasses? He goes, do you not have enough faith? <laughs> I thought it was just a great comeback. In other words, you know what? Boy, you better get praying about that so your eyesight will be healed. And so fundamentally, it doesn't work. Um, and it's a tragedy because when people really really, really are suffering, and they're at the end of themselves, when they've been ground down to nothing, they need the real Jesus Christ to come usher in peace, forgiveness, life, and salvation, not to call them to internalize this faith and storm the gates of heaven. Uh, it's just tragic. Another one you mentioned is the national patriot or the G Jesus, kind of Uncle Sam Jesus. Tell us about this false Christ. 
Well, this one is 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 the characteristic of um, merging the two kingdoms. You know, we 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 hold as Christians, and especially as you know, accentuated by our Lutheran theology, the distinction between the two kingdoms: the left hand kingdom and the right hand kingdom, being the the kingdom of the government, and then the kingdom of the church, the left and the right. And so, we want to distinguish both of these uh, being separate entities. Uh, we 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 think of Paul in Romans thirteen, where he talks about the government being established by by the Lord, and then we think of the church with its word and sacraments. And so we distinguish both of them, but when we confuse them, it's like confusing law and gospel. Um, we, we're called to distinguish those, but when we don't distinguish them and we meld them together, what ends up happening is we blur these together and we end up having a national patriot, which typically what ends up happening is the left-hand kingdom, uh, you know, sooner or later, takes over the right-hand kingdom. And so then instead of having Jesus ministering to us by his word and sacraments, he's ministering to us by the sword. And then we're we're, we're all tied up in, in, in ministry in the left-hand kingdom when, again, it's not that the left-hand kingdom is bad. It's established by God, but they're separate kingdoms to be distinguished. But when we don't distinguish them, we end up creating a false Christ. You talk about the social justice, Jesus, and you said at the beginning of the conversation that it might be, along with some others, one of the most popular in 21st century America. And I'm wondering, how do you tease that out, saying, here is a Jesus who is all about the true Jesus is all, in one sense, about justice, a different kind of justice, but one that does reach down into our lives from the one that is taken on as, taken on as the poster boy for the social justice warriors. Well, and again, like we talked about the therapist, this one is actually kind of tricky to pick up on because there's so many nuances of this false Christ that are true, and yet so much of it is false. I'll give you a quick example briefly. Uh, this social justice warrior really comes from Marxist ideology, and what, what ends up happening, long story short, is we create two categories of the oppressed and the oppressor. Um, and so then what happens is this Jesus, is this false Christ, is all about helping liberate those that are oppressed by these oppressive uh, establishments. But the problem with that is that may be well and true where you have different people oppressing different people groups, but the categories we think of Romans chapter 3 that the Apostle Paul has, that there's no one righteous, not even one, that we all have one category, and that is the category of sinner. And so there are either sinners who acknowledge and know they're sinners in need of Jesus and those who deny that. And so this false Christ only comes for those that are oppressed, but he's not the savior of the oppressor, and which really Really creates a two-tiered uh, distinction uh, that's typically not the way that the scriptures point out. I think it's pretty fair to say that this one had uh, and still has currency in the various branches of liberation theology. This is a pretty codified, widespread false Christ at work in the world today. Absolutely. I mean, we see this one uh, definitely uh, within the ELCA, for instance. Um, we see this. It's very popular. I mean, if you think about this, it's very popular where you definitely uh, have those cases where there's a clear um, oppressed group by a, a, a greater group that's oppressed. So it's very, very, um, it's very appealing to have that. I mean, to have, to know that the Lord is there to help liberate you. But here's the problem, too, is, is what is this Lord called to liberate us from? And I would say that the liberation is the liberation of the con condemnation of sin. I mean, we think of Romans 8.1. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And so our liberation is one that we need to be liberated from the condemnation of sin. We need to be liberated from uh, the wrath of God that comes against us. We need to be liberated from death itself. And so I think really the question then comes to what is this uh, false Christ liberating us from? And uh, many times it's not sin, death, and the devil. 
Then there is, these two seem to kind of be kissing cousins. The moral example Jesus and the new Moses Jesus. What's the difference between those two? Well, the moral example, now, again, you know, we want to talk about when we look at Jesus, we, we can definitely see an example. I mean, we definitely see an example what love is. We see the, the fruits of the Spirit, which are the attributes of Jesus. I mean, it's just wonderful to see. Um, but what happens here is with the moral example, when we meet Ruby in this chapter, she's a lady who has basically diminished the ongoing effects of original sin. And so original sin and salvation are something that happened in the past. So I was baptized. I was saved. And that's something that happens in a past event. And then in the current uh, place that she's at, she then uh, leans towards the moral example and she initiates her, again, her own will to follow this moral example. And really she's gone from, well, maybe I was at one point in time, I was dependent upon Jesus, but now I'm independent and now I'm going to use him as a moral example to live my best life now. I mean, really that's what's going on. And the new Moses is, is very similar too as well. The new Moses comes along and initiates uh, laws that are not found in the Bible. Uh, we think of the Ten Commandments. And w- this new Moses creates laws that are not there. But then when these new laws come at people, uh, people that embrace the new Moses, they're not apt to actually call out sin. And so when you create a new law for somebody, and you're not going to use that law to, to point out sin, then what you're doing is you're putting them under a spiritual burden. Um, you, you're oppressing their soul. You're condemning them on the basis of a new law. But then there's no repentance. There's no no relief for it. You can't repent of it because it's really a new law. It's not really sin itself. And so both of these um, are, are very, very problematic. And I would say out of all of these, the moral example and the new Moses are probably the most complex. Those are the most difficult to kind of flesh out. I once had a conversation with, I believe it was a, some prominent evangelical, and uh, it was one of those let the horse speak interviews where we're not going to agree on anything, but I'm letting him have his say. And uh, he said something to the effect of, well, you know, it's really, really nice when you're first a Christian to be go and confess your sins, receive forgiveness from, uh, from Jesus. But it's even better when you don't have to. Is that what you're talking about with the moral example? Absolutely. I, I couldn't say it better. Absolutely. It, it, is, it is. You know, the, think about this. You know, Hebrews, the, the author of Hebrews does this, that uh, in chapter 6, we talk about uh, receiving Jesus. But then what happens after that? You know, going from the elementary doctrines of Christ. We go on to the complex de- doctrines of Christ. And, and it's all about Jesus. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And for us as Christians, it's always returning to, as we hear in our small catechism, it's always returning back to our baptism. Whereas with the case with Ruby, and her moral example, uh, you know, that's something that happened in the past and she's moving on, much like that, uh, the therapist in a way. The, the, again, there's some overlap, but at the same time, some drastic differences. We're talking about false Christ in the 21st century with Dr. Matt Richard, author of The Issues Etc., a book of the month, Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? 12 False Christ, broadcasting live from The Issues Etc., making the case conference at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Collinsville, Illinois. When we come back, we're going to talk about Jesus, your mystical friend. Jesus the good teacher, Jesus the therapist, Jesus the giver of bling. 
The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for June is Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? Twelve False Christs. It's written by regular guest Dr. Matt Richard. Read an excerpt at issuesetc.org or purchase Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? by calling Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month, Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, offers ACT, SAT, and PSAT test prep, scholarship application classes, college and career counseling, and more. Hi, this is Lori Konsky, president of College Preparation Station. We have helped our students obtain more than $7 million in tuition scholarships in 12 years. Find out more at cpsprep.com. Let us help you create a vision and find your future. The College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, cpsprep.com. Putting Christ back into Christian radio, you're listening to Issues Etc., Thanks to the following congregations for standing with us by joining the Issues Etc. 300. Grace Lutheran, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Heritage Lutheran, Valparaiso, Indiana. Mount Olive Lutheran, Duluth, Minnesota. Our Saviors Lutheran, Wyndham, Minnesota. St. John's Lutheran, Algoma, Wisconsin. Our Savior Lutheran, Ridgecrest, California. St. Mary's Lutheran, Des Moines, Iowa. St. John Lutheran, Yuma, Colorado. Christ Lutheran, Kansas City, Missouri, and Redeemer Lutheran, Lincoln, Nebraska. Find out how your church can support this worldwide outreach by including Issues Etc. in your mission or advertising budget. Go to our website, issuesetc.org, click support, and print a one-page flyer. When your congregation joins the Issues Etc. 300, we'll publicize your congregation on the radio, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal. Issuesetc.org. Click support. The Issues Etc. 300. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're broadcasting live from the Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference in Collinsville, Illinois, talking about false Christs in the 21st century with Dr. Matt Richard, pastor of Zion Lutheran Church in Gwinner, North Dakota, and author of the Issues Etc. Book of the Month, Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? Twelve False Christs. You can find out more about this book at our website, issuesetc.org. It's on every page of the website. Or call Concordia Publishing House, one 800 325 And for the people here at the conference, it's also available back on the table at the CPH booth for purchase. And Dr. Matt Richard will be signing the book himself back there after the show. Issuesetc.org or 1-800-325-3040. Tell us about the mystical friend, Jesus. Well, this one is, uh, like the other ones, uh, very, very prominent. Uh, This one's especially prominent, we hear many times in American uh, evangelical worship songs. This is a false Christ where essentially you you look at Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, and we embrace both of those as his identity. We we, we confess as Christians every single Sunday in the Decree that he uh, is resurrected and he ascended and is at the right hand of the Father. And so we, we, we... 
confess that he is risen bodily, but this false Christ, now this is surprising to hear, but this false Christ actually separates uh, the two, which, which we want to distinguish between his human nature and his divine, but then it takes the human nature and it tosses it out completely. And so then what we're left is with a ethereal, uh, spiritized being. It's almost a, a very floaty, uh, uh, intangible, bodiless uh, Jesus. And then they take this bodiless, ethereal Jesus and they place him, you know, down in the heart, way, way, way deep down in the caverns of the heart. And then what happens tragically then is that instead of speaking through the word, uh, this false Christ speaks through the small whisper in the heart, uh, the small still voices coming from within the heart uh, that is oftentimes separated from the word of God. And so this is a case where this false Christ, many times you will see uh, people saying, well, you know, the, the, the Spirit or the, the Lord Jesus Christ has spoken to me and he has said this, 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 X, Y, and Z. And you really hold that up to the scriptures and then <laughs> you end up having a contradiction of the two. And so this false Christ is very, very intimate, uh, located in the caverns of the heart without a body and separated from the word. And it generally doesn't tell you anything. You That one can really... Oh, the way the mascot as well, too. Uh, the last three here, this mystical friend Jesus and the next two all kind of go together. They're different versions of the same thing. The next one is the feminized Jesus. Again, kind of a um, the kind of Jesus you'd like to sit down and cuddle with on the couch watch a chick flick, something like that. What does this Jesus do? Well, again, this one too. You take uh, Jesus, no doubt about it. I mean, we see masculine attributes of Jesus. We also see kind of feminine attributes, characteristics, you know. Uh, but what happens with this one is you actually strip out anything of masculinity from this Jesus, um, and then you create a real feminized. Now, I would encourage, you know, the people that are listening to this, and even I mentioned this in the book, go to uh, Google, for instance, and you type in Jesus, uh, good shepherd. All the pictures you're going to see is going to be Jesus as a good shepherd. He's going to be cuddling these well-groomed lambs, you know, these, these little tiny lambs, and he's cuddling them like they're a cat, you know. <laughs> and But if you really think of this, what makes the good shepherd good? Well, we see that the good shepherd is good because he lays down his life for the sheep in the face of the, 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 the wolf of death that comes after them. And so what makes him good is that he actually stands up for the sheep and he stands up for the lambs against the wolf which is much more of a masculine attribute but this false christ is really about uh looking at masculinity as being oppressive and uh you know distinguishing the 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 feminine and masculine attributes and throwing the masculine out and then you have a feminized christ that can't protect you from anything yeah so i mean just in terms of real shepherding a, a real life shepherd who she shepherds real sheep wouldn't be very good at his job if when the wolf or the bear or the panther or whatever comes stalking around, he just decided to pick them all up and just give them a... (laughs) Just love on them. Yeah, cuddle with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's exactly what's going on. I mean, we look at what makes the Good Shepherd good, and, and it's very difficult to find art out there where it shows the Good Shepherd actually being the, the Good Shepherd. There's a, boy, there's a picture that I found online from a church over in Eastern Europe, and it shows the Good Shepherd, and he, he has this, this sheep, and the sheep is bleeding, and he's standing on the head of the sheep, and then he has the wolf by the throat, and he's got his fist to just pummel this wolf, and I'm like, that is a good shepherd that I can follow as a man. And so this one is, again, very, very, um, you know, the masculinity is just stripped away, and you, you have just a, a sissy, false Christ. The final one you mentioned is the teddy bear Jesus. What makes him different? Well, this teddy bear uh, false Christ is like the... Um, 
give her a bling. Uh, the suffering is, is stripped away, so there's no blood. Uh, there's no such thing as sound doctrine. Uh, this teddy bear is not threatening. This teddy bear is the one that kind of sits on, this teddy bear, false Christ, sits on your bed, and he, again, is cuddly, and he doesn't interrogate you. And if you think about this, uh, this, this characteristic of, we think of C.S. Uh, Lewis's book, um, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, he talks about Aslan, the, the lion. And I love that line uh, in the movie, in the book, where, uh, boy, is it Lucy or Sarah, or Susan that comes and she says to the beaver, she, she says, you know, um, you know, is he safe? And the beaver says, oh, no, you know, he's not safe, but he's good. And this, this example here, the teddy bear is safe, uh, but he's not good because he cannot save us from sin and death. Uh, he, he's not going to be bleeding for us. Uh, so this one's all about getting rid of suffering, getting rid of sound doctrine, uh, all about spiritual experiences, feelings of safety and comfort, but ultimately cannot save us. There's a question here. It comes from Mark, who listens in Nebraska. He says, I was reading a little of Pastor Richard's book, and the section on free will caught my eye. I got into a discussion with a pastor of a movement called Free Thinking Ministries. That's an interesting one. Um, And he had an interesting take on the free will argument. He states the following. That is this pastor he was talking with. You need Jesus to convert you. Once you're converted, you have the ability to do the following. A, choose Jesus which you must do, this is paramount to your salvation, or B, you can choose not to sin because Jesus now gives you the ability to do this. And since you are now able to choose not to sin because Jesus has enabled you to do this, your salvation is guaranteed in your new obedience as you move forward. The final point that that pastor made, if you sin while possessing this new ability, these sins are, and I quote him, on you. What do you make of that particular treatment of the free will. Oh, wow. Um, boy, then, then the question is, boy, where, where are you going to have any assurance? I mean, if you think of this, this all has to come back down to Romans 7, you know, where we hear the Apostle Paul, the very good that I want to end up doing, I don't do, and the very evil I despise, that's what I end up doing. And, he, and, and, and what happens with Paul's argument at the very end, uh, he, 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 I can just imagine him you know, grabbing his hair, shaking his fist and saying, what a wretch that I am. Who will save me from this body of sin and death? And thanks be to God, there's hope in the, in the real Jesus Christ. And so I think the reality maybe where this individual is struggling with is this old Adam, the sinful nature, which Luther and the Lutherans talk about it, hanging around our neck, uh, that the old Adam is there uh, plaguing us to the very end of our age when we die. And, and really, when that happens, when, our, when we sin, we are driven to repentance, uh, confession of our sin, like we do every Sunday in church. And then we're being driven back to the Word and back to the sacrament every single Sunday, receiving the body and blood of Jesus Christ, the real Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of our sins and the strengthening of our faith towards God and love in our neighbor. So it's always returning back uh, to Jesus for dependence, the real Jesus, depending upon him uh, for everything. Uh, because as soon as we go the way of independence, uh, boy, Matt Richard can't do much apart from Christ. The common denominator, I note, in all of the false Christ that you mention is, and you said it earlier, these are, this, these are all a Jesus who is a means to a greater end than himself. He's an, he's, he's an instrument that I can use to get something else. Talk about the true Christ as not means to an end, but as end in himself. Yeah, ultimately when it comes down to it, uh, very simply put, 
is Jesus a part of... Somebody else phrased this to me a while back, so I can't take credit for it, but I think it's great. They were reflecting on, on some of the things that we were talking about on this. Is Jesus a part of our team, or am I a part of his team? Very simply stated. So in other words, do I do I take Jesus, and do I put him into my life, and, and, and you know, like a little lapdog, and I drag him around wherever I go, or am I crucified under Christ? I mean, think of Paul. What does he say? I've been crucified under Christ. I no longer live, but Christ Jesus lives in me. And so our life, then, is one of being a bond servant of Christ, where we've been crucified unto him, and he is my Lord and my Savior, and that he calls the shots, and that he's the one that working through the word, uh, you know, showing my sin, uh, giving me grace, uh, sanctifying me, uh, leading me in this Christian life uh, from the cradle to the grave. And so either I stand over Jesus or he stands over me. Dr. Matt Richard is pastor of Zion Lutheran Church in Gwinner, North Dakota, and author of The Issues, Etc., Book of the Month, Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up, Twelve False Christs. Matt, thank you very much for being our guest. Thanks, Todd. On the other side of the break, we're going to be spending some time with Pastor Jonathan Fisk, host of the radio show His Time and creative director of Worldview Everlasting TV. We're going to talk about raising Christian children in an age of progressivism. It's always been difficult to raise Christian children. It is the most difficult task that a man and a woman can be given to do. But in the age of progressivism, we face all kinds of challenges. Probably one of the biggest challenges we face, and I think we'll start with this as we talk with Pastor Fisk, is the speed at which progressivism progresses, so to speak, and how that offers a greater challenge to Christian parents and their children and the whole family. We'll talk about all of that after the break, broadcasting live from the Issues Etc., Making the Case Conference at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Collinsville, Illinois. Hour two in five minutes. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc., Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. The grace of God, the church's music, the Lord's Supper every service every Sunday, preaching Christ crucified and risen, our hope for years to come, there is hope in St. Louis, Hope Lutheran Church, that is, 5218 Neosho Street, St. Louis, Missouri. Find us on the web at hopelutheranstl.org. <laughs> 